Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome to CC with BB. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. How do shaman learn about plant medicines? Dina, a friend of mine, is in the country of Panama in Central America right now. She talked with a medicine man a few days ago in a local village. He has learned from his ancestors which plants are most helpful. He finds medicinal qualities deep in the roots of some plants. Dina wondered how the original person discovered those medicinal qualities, or perhaps our guest today will be able to answer this question. My guess is that certain plants instructed his ancestors which plants to use and how to use them. Just how the plants instructed them is an important question. I've received communication from trees, there are other ways that plants and human beings can communicate. Saskia von Diest completed her PhD in agricultural plant pathology in 2014 and is currently a postdoctoral research fellow at Stellenbach University in South Africa and Coventry University in the UK. 
Over the last six years, she has pioneered research in eco-fluency, intuitive embodied communication with the rest of nature. She has researched eco-fluency as a means towards practical, holistic decision-making in food growing, as well as in personal development. Her work has been presented and published globally, and her passion is sharing what she's learned in talks and workshops. Welcome to the show, Saskia. Thanks so much for having me, Bernie. It's uh, so good to have you. So good to have you. And the plant talking thing is, you know, as you know, very interesting to me, too. What is eco-fluency? Okay, so eco-fluency, the long and the short of it, is that it's basically intuitive, embodied communication with nature. Um, some people think of it as inter interspecies communication. But the published definition that um, I've written about is the ability to fluidly and accurately converse with more than new human nature using an expanded spectrum spectrum of human sensory awareness. So, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because um, there's, okay. there's a lot in what you just said. Yeah, I know. So if one looks at the um, the etymology of it, eco is derived from the Greek oikos, which means house or habitation, and fluency from the Latin fluentum, which means free-flowing or relaxed. So it's both about being able to have a two-way conversation or dialogue with one's environment or home, um, as well as the beings in it. But it's also an invitation to just simply be at home in the rest of nature. And um, often people I've taught in workshops can try too hard to communicate with nature and then they get upset when they can't get a message from a plant or an animal. So I sometimes remind them that simply relaxing into your natural state of being in the wild can help with free-flowing or fluent dialogue as well as a sense of communion with the rest of nature. And like the lady that I learned from, Anna Breitenbach, um, who you might have seen her doc the documentary that was made about her called The Animal Communicator. In that documentary, she describes how it's our supernatural um, ability, not that it is an out of, um, out of world or like something that's beyond our capacity, but that it is supernatural. It is very natural. So that's what ecofluency is about, is learning or being reminded, actually, because it's something that we all have, is how do you actually learn to be both at home in nature and learn to converse, to dialogue with the rest of nature? Yeah, and the first step is to feel at home in nature, to see it as a home for, for each of us as well. Because mm -hmm. it is. <laughs> it is. And we forget that we are nature as well. It's not like we're just talking with nature out there. We're talking with ourselves. So ecofluency is about learning to live well together. That conviviality which it invites or enables is about learning to live well with each other as humans as because we are also the rest of nature. We are very much a part of nature, and technology helps us to forget that. Yeah, um, one could say that. Um, I've certainly found that the more time I spend in front of screens, the less time I'm focusing on what's out there, beyond the boxes, the windows, the screens. And being out there physically is, is the embodied part of communication with nature. We have these 3D physical bodies, this hair, sweat, bone, skin. <laughs> and, um, and, and why not engage using our sensory awareness 
to be out in nature because that, I mean, we see children doing that. We see them crawling around outside in the grass and in the mud and they pick up things and they touch the dogs and they touch other animals. They want to first touch before they talk. And that seems to be our natural state of being is part of that dialogue is engaging. Um, yeah. So why, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a big part of ecofluency is the embodied part of, of intuitive communication well, with nature. It's, it's by embodied simply you start with meaning you get your body out there uh, where nature, where what we think of as nature is. But I, I one thing about technology, it's, it's, it is natural in the sense that it's been created by human beings. And I wonder how you think about technology's relationship to eco-fluency. It's so interesting you asked me that. That's something I've been dwelling on for a while. And in some ways, one can say that technology can help us um, to connect with nature in terms of having um, podcasts or guided meditations when we're in nature and we don't really know what to do. Um, that can help us and um, some people need that reminder and we forget that technology is made from the same materials as our houses as um, you know it's 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 made from mind materials that come from nature and it's just been converted into a different form so in some radical sense you could even think of technology as still being a part of nature even though it doesn't look natural to us the way we use it doesn't often feel right but I think it's almost an inevitable part of our future. We that, think that, of artificial intelligence. So it's, I think a find, it's a way of finding how can one be at home with technology as our environment. And that's also a part of eco-fluency. And that's, that's a very crucial question because right now there's a divide. Uh, it's a digital versus analog divide where the digital is yes, no, plus, minus, black, white, zero, one, technology, communication, and nature is analogical. It's all shapes and forms and metaphors. And trying to bring the digital and the analog together is a real challenge, but you, you kind of did a pun uh, when you said that we, that technology is, the technological machines are mined from nature, well, mind, M-I-N-E-D, and M-I-N-D sound pretty much the same. Uh, that yeah, there's true. <laughs> there are human minds that mind the materials that made it. We've created technology. So somehow there's a naturalness in technology. But we're far away from that right now. The, the digital divide from nature is still pretty strong. Um, the... The, the, you use the term intuitive, um, and intuitive has a lot of meanings uh, to me, and people use it in lots of different ways. Could you tell us what you mean by intuitive connections with nature? Sure. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to touch back on the technology, actually. Because oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Tech, I mean, if you look at where technology comes from, the etymology or the root of the word technology comes from Greek techni which means art or skill or craft in a way, like an, 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 a way in which something is gained. Um, and logia, uh, logia is, um, is knowledge, isn't it? Um, yeah. Or yeah. treatment. So technology yeah. is literally the way. It's that, ideas. Um, it's the way that things are gained. So we think of technology as being the, the metallic objects, the computers, like you say, the, the, um, 
the digital technology that we use. But actually, who's to say that technology is also not something like ecofluency? The technologies that we have to engage and gain knowledge, gain skills and crafts from the rest of nature could be a form of technology. And later on, I'm, I'm going to talk about pilgrimage as a technology. Um, talk about what? Pilgrimage. Pilgrimage, huh? Yeah. It's a technology. Oh, okay. Exactly. I mean, the two words are hard to put together there. So <laughs> Isn't just it just? <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll touch on that later. It's something actually that my, my partner introduced me to. So to, to answer your question about intuition, um, intuition, there's, there are many definitions, but the one that I like the most is the knowing without knowing how we know. Yeah, yeah. Um, because nobody knows what the mechanism is. Same for ecofluency. Nobody knows how we get a message from nature. There are many theories about it, but nobody knows the exact mechanism. But we know that it is real based on the fact that we can get messages that we can validate. And the same is true with, with intuitive occurrences. Something will happen. You don't know how, you, how that information landed in you. You don't know why you did a certain action, but somehow it seems to make sense. We know that it's immediate. We know that it's accurate. It happens um, in, in ways that we can't explain, but it's useful. It, you know, even in, in the sort of fast moving business environment, they recognize the value and usefulness of intuition. And so they will, they've, they've done a lot of- um, Oh, more, more uh, and more, more and more intuition yeah, being recognized. Yeah, have done research into the value we're, of we're, intuition. We're coming to the end of this segment and uh, okay. we can talk more about intuition and the details of it we're talking with saskia von deist and this is the you are listening to the connecting with coincidence i'm your host dr bernie beitman md on the x-zone broadcast network Patty Conklin grew up in Brooktondale, New York with a unique ability. Unlike others, she could see how the vibration of words and emotions affected the physical body. She discovered how to release stored emotion and facilitate healing. This began today's Conklin method of cellular cleansing. The private practice grew with tremendous results, as did her reputation. More and more people sought her out, bringing her into the home for healing. She soon realized she could even teach this to others, and they could shift perception and thus prevent illness from occurring. Patty Conklin quickly became a frequent keynote speaker, and she developed a curriculum for teaching the Conklin method of cellular cleansing. For more information, visit pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N, pattyconklin.com, or call 404-474-0086. That's 404-474-0086. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. 
is formulated from zoolite whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and we are talking with Saskia von Diest about ecofluency, being able to communicate, to be comfortable in nature, find nature to be our home as it is, even though we're getting more and more separated from it in some ways, and to be able to intuitively communicate with plants. And we talked about in- intuition as knowing things without knowing how we know them. Uh, rather than through logic, um, through reason, through uh, deliberate uh, conscious intent. There are many forms of intuition. There are many channels of intuition. And and in our previous communication, you've described some of them. What what are some of the channels by which you and others uh, receive and, and send out information with plants? Um. It's a good question, and it seems that it could be different for every person. It depends on what are your um, antenna like, so to say. Right. Um, so one could receive messages from the rest of nature through um, through sensations, emotions, through images, through sounds, um, tastes, feelings, um, just a sense of knowing. Um, without really knowing how that knowing happened it just lands in you and um, yeah I mean the word intuition itself comes from Latin intuire which um, is you know basically the core meaning of knowing without knowing how you know and um, and that's really that's the essence of of ecofluency is sometimes you don't have to know why you know something if it's useful to you why not search what its meaning is in your life? How can you, you can apply it. Um, sometimes something happens in our life that we don't really know how to explain. And the sort of, um, the logical mind wants an explanation for anything. The so-called ego wants to be placated and control everything. And the more we can move into a heart space or a heart-based position, it seems that that's where life becomes more enriching, which which moves back to the idea of coincidence and synchronicity. Those sometimes can't be explained. Um, 
but they can be used. And they you, can be you, used. Absolutely. You're you're you're, you're being uh, very pragmatic, which I appreciate. Trying to be able to use the information. One of the pragmatic questions, though, I'm asking is how different individuals have different channels through which intuitive information might flow. For some people, it, it might be sounds. Others, it might be visual images. Uh, for others, it might be a body feeling. That's the kind of question I'm asking you. And can you elaborate on that? And particularly, what's, what channels do you use? Okay. Um, I mean, like I said, it, there, I've listed a few ways in which people can experience messages and it really depends on what messages work for you and how do you cultivate those messages um, or that those channels so to say like the more you refine your channel the more you can um, block out the noise and you can hone in on um, your right. capacity hone right. your capacity the yeah. more you're going to receive in a way that is suitable to you some yeah. people will receive tastes very clearly some people will only see messages um, or will only see um, images as the message. Some people will hear sounds. They will, in their brain, they'll hear silent voices in their brain, so to say. But And it'll hear, it'll sound like either their own voice or it will sound like different voices. I've experienced a range of things. Um, so, for example, in the workshop that I did, the very first workshop I did with Anna Breitenbach um, in South Africa, and this was now about seven or eight years ago, um, it was a weekend workshop and I didn't necessarily believe that I was going to experience communicating with nature or with animals because it was an animal communication workshop. I didn't think that I would experience it within one weekend. I, can you really learn something so wild <laughs> in one weekend? And my favorite experience that was the turning point for me was this picture of a little gray cat because we had to use photographs in, in this one exercise. We were asked to bring photographs of animals that we knew um, and not speak to anybody in the workshop. And then um, during one of the exercises, we get we take a picture that was within the bowl with all the photographs in the middle, and you choose one you communicate. And then afterwards, you can find that person and validate what messages you get or not. And so I got a picture of a little gray cat sitting on a couch, and that's all I could see. So there was no information I could gain from the picture other than gray cat on a couch. And I started asking this little cat basic questions. Um, what kind, what does your house look like? Where, what is your food like? What um, is your favorite position or space in the house? Um, what does your person look like that, that looks after you? And I got all these very clear images. It felt almost like a very lucid dream. And I was getting these clear images of this bright pot plant next to, a, on a windowsill next to a bright cushion. And these messages were so clear and afterwards I was able to, to verify every single piece of information I got was accurate. And that left me with this feeling of, I can do this. And it came in both images and in, in, in um, messages in my mind. And I thought I'm going crazy, right? Because one of the definitions in the UK of um, being mad is hearing voices in your head, but I knew I wasn't mad. I was busy doing my PhD. <laughs> um, and I didn't seem mad to anybody else, but it changed everything because the one thing that I took away from that weekend, um, well, two things. One was I could communicate now with the rest of nature despite my skepticism. And two, I would never feel alone. You could do it with a photograph. Yes. So it's almost oh. like the photograph acts as a holographic signature. You're going to tune into that specific frequency and communicate with that being because it's not limited by distance. That so is... That is, to me, most amazing. Uh, 
I, I mean, I can, I have relationships with, with dogs and stuff, but to be able to pick up information from the photograph means that there, there was much more in the photograph than I'd ever really think about. You made a holographic analogy, but it's, a photograph isn't a hologram. A photograph is a flat thing, uh, but still somehow it contained the information you needed in it. And so yeah. that's, that, that, that's, even, that's even wilder to me. The, yes, the photograph definitely is not the hologram itself, but it offers the signature frequency um, of the cat. So yeah. it's in a way, it's like it's the holographic signature, so to say. I don't know if it, maybe that's the wrong scientific term. Well, but, I, but I, think the, I think the signature of the cat uh, is a better way of thinking about it, that somehow yeah. you could tune in to the wavelength, if we can call it that, of that cat and get to it, even if, if there was no distance to travel, however you might think about it. But through that photograph, it connected you to the cat itself somehow. It's like knowing which telephone number to dial. That's uh, that's 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 even wilder. That's that's pretty amazing. So that's where you turned into being able to believe, and this is what's so important for our listeners to get, is that you have to have an experience through which you believe that you can communicate with plants and animals. That was the case for me, and it's been the case for so many other people, is having that direct experience yourself yeah. cannot be argued with. People can, can deny knowledge. They can deny scientific evidence. They can deny that somebody else has had an experience. Um, but the fact that you've had that embodied experience, cannot, you, you cannot deny it for yourself. You cannot, you cannot deny it yourself. And, and you could validate it because somebody could tell you, yes, that's what, exactly. that's what the thing was. So, I mean, that, that's, that's hard to run away from. At the beginning of the show... I, I described a shaman who knew what parts of a deep root of a plant might be helpful somehow. How do, how do shamans generally, if you have some general ways of saying it, learn, the ancestors of shaman, learn how, which, which parts of which plants to go for as medicinal qualities? I'll be honest, I've not been through any kind of med medicinal or shamanic training of that kind, so I can't actually answer that question. But based on discussions I've had with people who have been through those kinds of trainings, it seems as though those people inherit to a certain degree the capacity that gets activated when they do a training. Um, and that training, I don't know how that looks like because it varies based on the tradition um, but what often happens is that you're communicating directly with a plant. And if it's a plant that you've never come into contact with before, um, so you've no way of knowing what the medicinal qualities of that plant are. And there are certain people who do trainings like that, um, that I could pass information on about. Um, they, you, you ask the plant certain things about it's what it's able to offer, whether it's you or whether it's humans as species. And you could then try and find information to validate it that might exist in some kind of database. But if it's something that nobody knows that you're aware of and you've never come across it before, then it becomes an interesting challenge. And that's hard to, to, to verify, I suppose, other than trying that. But that route would be far quicker than just pure trial and error. And I think this is what goes, it goes back to the idea of coincidence or synchronicity when you're walking through the forest and something catches your eye, a particular plant. Why is that plant catching your eye? Did the light hit it at a particular time? You know, coincidence could be merely chance. It's like if we, 
if you look at the etymology, which you obviously you know very well, of coincidence, it comes from um, French and medieval Latin of to fall upon together or um, synchronicity is a meaningful coincidence. It's like, what is the meaning of your eye catching that particular plant? And some people would say, um, food gardeners or medicinal gardeners that I've come across will say that there's a reason why a particular plant grows in your garden. A few years back, I had a huge amount of dandelions just popping up all over my garden. And I saw that and it took notice of it, but I didn't do anything about it. And two years later, I found that I had a few issues that I needed to, to cleanse my liver with. And dandelion is one of the best things <laughs> to cleanse liver. <laughs> now, that, now that, that is a good one. And we're, we're, we're coming to the end uh, of this segment. And we've been talking with Saskia Van Dies about communication with plants. And she answered my question from the beginning is that some your shaman can be trained to talk to plants, to listen to plants. And it's important for us to be able to know that that's possible. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD on the Exxon Broadcast Network. audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com, or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404-474-0086. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. 
guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yes, this is CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We are talking with Saskia Van Diest. And <laughs> the Dana Line story was a good one. They popped up to be helpful to you. I really like that one. I got, I've got, I had a bunch of wild ones growing in my, in my what, was, what was the cost of it? Like, um, oh, I forget the name of it. Um, but the question, the question I was, I was wondering about, or the statement I was wondering about, um, is that sometimes you you said sometimes you're walking along, walking along in the forest, just minding my own business, which yeah. I was doing, and then something happens, and that's what I think happened to me with these two trees that I call the king and the queen, is that I don't really remember it, but my body remembers. It was almost like <clears throat> passing some kind of um, beam. Uh, I passed a beam coming out of the trees is what it, I think it felt like. My body remembers it this way. And then I got stopped. It wasn't a visual thing. It was a physical thing. And, <clears throat> and I turned around and began a relationship with these two trees that's been going on for about nine years. Amazing. And what, yeah, and what I so enjoyed the last time you and I talked um, was that I told you that a couple of times the the forest said, don't come back for a while because you've used too much of our energy and you've got to go back out in the world and be more social. And and you said, <laughs> you said, how did that make you feel? And that made me feel that you understood what I was experiencing because you know that they can communicate with us and they were. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I've had so many experiences with trees. Um, one, a beech tree at um, Findhorn Foundation um, in northern Scotland in in the earlier years of my postdoctoral research. That was like one of the places that you go to if you want to learn about communicating with nature, because it's this huge eco village that's built on what used to be the dump site of a, of a sandy caravan park um, at the edge of a fishing village. <laughs> and um, and a, san a sandy what kind of park? Um, a sandy caravan park. What's a caravan park? Like a campsite, like, you know, caravans, mobile homes. Yeah. Um, okay. So they, there was this sort of this mobile home park, so to say, at the end, of, oh. at the edge of this fishing village in the sand dunes. Oh. And um, and these three people, um, this was now, I think, in the 70s or the 60s, they, um, they 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 had to land there as a result of having lost their jobs in some way. And um, they figured that they had to start learning how to grow their own food, for example. And they did. But they did that with the help of the nature spirits and with the help of the plants. 
and they ended up um, growing these massive award-winning um, vegetables, you know, the size that you would think, oh my gosh, this would win a prize at a county fair. Um, but they did that with almost no input from outside, and they did that with the natural forces that exist. And um, for example... Could, yeah, could you tell us how they did that, a little more detail about that? So from what I gather, and this is docu documented in their, in their books, um, Dorothy McLean, who's one of the founders, is still is um, I think she turned either ninety or hundred recently. She had a very big birthday um, uh, recently, and so she's in her book. She's described some of how this has happened, and from what I gather, they were communicating directly with nature, and in a co-creative process, they were finding this way of growing food in harmony with the rest of nature. Yeah, yeah. So that they were tapping into that abundance that exists there. So they weren't growing food in a sustainable way, you know, that just meets the requirements of being ecological. They were going above and beyond what would, one would think of as the limitations to what is possible in sand dunes. Um, and so now you go there and it's incredibly lush and they they, I don't know if they still teach this. I know Anna Breitenbach um, was teaching a few courses over the last few years there, but um, they they certainly do practice it to a degree. When I went back um, again another year, I spoke to some of the gardeners there, and they were practicing this, although not as widely as they initially had done. Um, but the philosophy is still there very very strongly of working in harmony with nature. Um, it's it's amazing to experience that and. Um, yeah, yeah and, and, and what they do or did, you are trying to help others do. Yes. Oh, my point with that story. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. Um, so my point was that the first time I went to visit it, there was this beech tree. And this is partly why I love beech trees so much. There was this beech tree, beech tree near um, Clooney, Clooney Hotel, Clooney Hill, um, which is what, another property that belongs to Fintorn Foundation. And... Um, this beech tree was on a slope and I wanted to go and sit there that on the swing that was attached to one of its branches and just spend some time around this beautiful tree that I was drawn to. Uh -huh. And, um, and I go towards this tree and because it's on a slope, I just, I'm going to go and sit near the top of the tree up the slope from it. And I get the message strongly from the tree. No, no, walk around me first. You'll see things from different angles, um, that you wouldn't normally see. So I go around, um, down the slope and on the other side directly opposite which, which I would diagonal to where I would have been I saw this beautiful white stone in a heart shape that I wouldn't have seen if I'd not seen it and it was teaching me in an embodied way through communication about circumambulation the practice of going around a holy place uh. either once or three times before you just engage it's like getting to know somebody before you just touch or talk to that person Oh, and that yeah, was, that was yeah. fantastic. And that I've learned since then is actually a practice that's um, widely done in many cultures. Um, going around a church before you go in is something that my, my partner talks about when you go to any kind of holy place. Um, and I think of trees as holy places, not in the sense of a religious holy, but holy like from coming from the old English word halich, which is means healthy and wholesome. It's the same root as the words healthy and wholesome. And um that's sometimes what I think the meaning of synchronicities is about is is wholeness, seeking wholeness, opportunities to find wholeness. Because we talked about what, you know, the fact that synchronicities are maybe just meaningful coincidences. Well, what is the meaning? And the, and the meaning to, to you um, 
you, you you've had uh, coincidences happen to you uh, in your work. I mean, even just what I think talking with plants is a kind of a coincidence. Um, it's it, it's something that shouldn't happen. Um, you you had a, a coincidence at Damanhur that, that was very important to you, and I I, I trying to see what and you and you you found a, that ring that had a synchronicity symbol on it. Could you tell us something about that that coincidence and what it meant to you? Sure, that was um, in mid twenty fifteen. I was visiting Damanhur Federation of Communities, and that's um, an eco spiritual community in northern Italy. And I was there because I wanted to attend a plant communication workshop of all things. Of all, of all things. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and also see how the community operates. And so I was doing this as part of my postdoctoral research, which was is, is on intuitive farming. So while I was at one of their Selfica studios, I bought this, this little silver ring because that was about all I could afford at the time. And Selfica is this technology that is unique to German here. It uses these metals, alchemical liquids, shapes and symbols, and it creates a circuitry that invites these entities that they believe are beneficial to come and live in them. And then those entities would help humans in things such as increasing um, efficiency, fuel efficiency of their vehicles, making them more safe, growing food, um, accelerating your ability to learn a specific language, even to growing spiritually. So I bought this ring because I like the little S shape on it and um, it represented synchronicity. And I put this ring on and I had as I put the ring on, it was the first time because you have it programmed to your your own signature frequency. So I put the ring on and I had this thought of. I wish I could meet up with this, um, this lady called Marza Millar. And um, she's one of the last remaining descendants and wisdom keepers of um, the Yavapai people who are native to North America. And she'd been visiting Damanhur. She'd been invited there as a spiritual teacher. And I'd, the previous day witnessed a, a drumming ceremony that she'd done. So I was interested in speaking with her because I, I liked um, what she was speaking about. and I, But I knew she was leaving that day, so I didn't have any way of of communicating or contacting her because I only had Wi-Fi where those set of studios and shops was. So, um, and Damanhu is a very large community. So they've got all these nucleos or these communities that are scattered all around the valley. So she could have been anywhere in the valley. I had no idea where she was going to be. So I just gave up on the idea. So then I walk up the stairs to leave the building and I bump into her in the passageway and I couldn't believe it. That was to my mind, definitely more than coincidence. Um, and I was still quite skeptical about the idea. So it, it felt like the ring had started working immediately and drawing the synchronicity towards me. So I asked Marza if she'd have time to speak quickly with me and she agreed. But we ended up speaking for about two hours and she shared some of the most far out things that I had heard of to that, uh, to that point. Um, she told me about some of her experiences, um, what she'd learned about the spiritual lives and the ways of growing food and how they're interconnected of the Hopi people. Um, and who used to be neighbors of the of the Yavapai in um, in either Arizona or Nevada, I can't remember. But I was just utterly stunned and also honored that she shared so much with me. And I, I believe that that was definitely synchronicity because it, to me it had a huge amount of meaning. Oh, and, it did. It did. Yeah. And, and I, I, I call it human GPS. Um, <laughs> Where where you you get you end up being where you want to be. It's a kind of a subcategory of intuition. Um, it's uh-huh. and moves our bodies around to places to make the timing happen for something mm. that we need to have happen. It's a it's scanning and it's a kind of a scanner thing. Um, but you you kind of localize her 
I like the term her signature in space. Mm. You got it. Um, and just like with the cat, but in a, in a more kin- kinetic way, uh, you could find your way to her rather than find the way through the photograph to the cat. It makes me think about just before our interview, there was a magpie that flew up onto the balcony of the house where I'm dog sitting at the moment. It sat right outside by the beans um, above the balcony. <laughs> we need and to then- stop. We need to stop because uh, we come to the end. We can go to the magpie when we come back. You're listening okay. to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network. We're talking with Saskia Van Diest. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxone, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not so secret weapon in the business world. 
Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit iconquality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Welcome back. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're on the Exxon Broadcast Network talking about talking with Saskia Von Diest, a magpie before the show flew somewhere within her vision. Tell us about that magpie. Yeah, well, it, t- it turned into two, fortunately, because um, if you see one magpie, magpie flying around your house, it's usually a bad sign. So in British folklore, um, there's a lot of superstition surrounding magpies. But this, these were two magpies that came in near the house. And initially there was one. And um, they hung around for a while, first moving to the fence and then to different trees in the garden. I've never seen magpies do that before. I've usually only seen them like on the edge of roads or in open fields because they, they often eat. Um, they're, they're like in the, in the same family as crows. So they eat roadkill and they, they scavenge. Um, so it's believed that if you see one it's one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy, five for <laughs> silver, six for gold, seven for a secret never to be told. So I'd hope that this, seeing this pair of magpies meant that it would refer to the interview being a success. <laughs> um, and to me, that just felt like that wasn't coincidence because I, I'd never seen magpies come up close and hang around in a garden that much. So and what, that's, did, what did they mean to you, the pair of them? Two, two means joy. One yeah. sorrow, two for joy. And so what was, I thought two. What, what was the joy that you were anticipating? Is that I do well in the interview. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you, yeah. I hope you're enjoy. Hope you're enjoying yourself too. Absolutely. No, I'm enjoying it. Um, I think I still sometimes um, worry about how I'm going to come across because this is such a such an unusual field of of. Um, information to be engaging with and to be sharing with the world it's you know there's a lot of as much as there's superstition surrounding magpies there's even more surrounding the idea that you can communicate with them <laughs> uh, it's it, that's why you're on this show um, because we can and you are so mm, we want to we want to get it out there and um uh, my producer really likes it and he doesn't sit, do that that often so uh, that's a real positive that you should take away from this um, oh, i'm glad uh, you, what, how do coincidences uh, play a part in your research, do you think? Well, I mean, I have to be honest. In my research, I don't know how much it plays. Um, 
I mean, I don't seek coincidence or synchronicity because I don't believe you really can seek them. Maybe you can um, engage in something that is going to be um, for co- uh, how do I say conducive to coincidence? Yes, yes. Um, like for example, pilgrimage. Um, oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Let me go into this before I go into my research at the moment because this yeah, is actually yeah. really interesting. So um, I found that that pilgrimage, which is essentially a journey on foot to a holy place, simple. I found that that is actually really useful for drawing synchronicities into your life. And it's my partner, Will Parsons, who actually introduced me to this concept and the practice of it. Um, He co-founded a walk around Britain and then the British Pilgrimage Trust. Um, And he said he's often experienced synchronicities while on foot. And it's helped him think more clearly and interpret those synchronicities. So I thought, let me try it. So the other day, I mean, I've been on a few pilgrimages with him, but the other day I went on a one day pilgrimage um, to about four local holy wells and I saw six magpies all at the same time. So apparently Ah. that's gold. (laughs) So that's supposed to be a good thing. But six um, of them. Yeah. So pilgrimage comes from per aga, which means through the fields. Um, And holy comes, like I said, from halik, which is wholesome or healthy. So pilgrimage inherently has a level of eco-fluency built into it and as a way of, let's say, a journey through nature to seek wholeness. So it Mm. makes me think that, you know, okay, pilgrimage invites synchronicity into your life. And I see synchronicities more and more as opportunities to find connection and wholeness, which maybe are difficult to to find if you're seeking them actively. So rather do something that is conducive to it. Maybe it invites it more into your life. Um, maybe like that silver ring was able to help me. That symbol helps draw it into you. It's like um, there's a harmony that happens between the frequency of what you're sending out and what you're bringing in into your life, so to say. Yeah. Um, but in terms of my research, I found that I've always taken note of when synchronicities happen in my life. And sometimes that happens with my research and sometimes that doesn't. The fact that... Um, that I met Marza at Dum and Her was was probably one of the most significant occurrences during my visit because I was only there for a few days and the plant communication workshop was amazing. But the information that she gave me in chatting with me for two hours about how the Hopi people connect on a spiritual level with a deity and ask them to um, help them with when do they plant, when do they harvest, how do they harvest, how do they do this, where do they plant? Um, when is the rain coming? All these kinds of information they do by communicating with nature. And since then, it made me more interested in how indigenous and earth-based um, people communicate with nature and how they use that in their practical management decision-making, which drew me also, I mean, that was in addition to um, finding out that a lot of farmers, because that was my initial uh, starting point, was looking at how farmers and food growers, whether they're small-scale subsistence, um, garden-level um, growing food, how they use that in their in their everyday decision-making. And many of them will talk about the fact that there are no coincidences or synchronicities. If you really look at it, it's it, things happen because either you decide for it to happen or nature's indicating that you need to be doing this and this and this. And it's just a matter of whether you're willing to listen to it or not. Um, how do you interpret the messages then as well? So in terms of my um, my research, um, gosh, <laughs> there's, well, there's be, quite be, a lot that be, I could go into this. Yeah, and we don't, we don't have, have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time, but I have asked you a different question, though. Sure. Um, you, had, you had dandelions in your yard, and uh, they turned out to be medicinal for you. What I, what I have... What I had growing is a creeping Charlie, which is a, 
a, perpendic a, a perpendicular vine. It, instead of ivy growing up, this grows flat on the ground. And it took over my yard. It had been doing it with other, it started to do it. It had been doing it in town. It wasn't, this wasn't the first place that Creeping Charlie had been hitting, but it hit me like last year. And I put up a little barrier, about four inch barrier to stop it from getting under some of my bushes uh, and did some other things by pulling them out pretty regularly. So I was trying to figure out what did the Creeping Charlie mean to me having invaded my, my property where it hadn't been there before. And it, as with dandelions, they're around. So uh, it comes up at a certain time. And what does that mean to me? And that's the question I think we want to leave our listeners with is when, when you see when you see activity that's different in your surroundings that is might relate be related to you what might that mean yeah absolutely i mean there are many ways one can seek out what does meaning mean um one of my favorite one of my favorite um interpretations of this is i look at the the lectures that professor jay garfield um gives in his series the meaning of life um, perspectives from the great world's greatest intellectual traditions. And so he looks in his first lecture, he dissects the word meaning itself, which has in itself three meanings, linguistic, indicative, and significant, at least three meanings. But he states that significance is the core meaning of meaning. And that to me is, is the most important thing as well, is if a synchronicity or coincidence happens in your life, what, why is it significant to you? One can't necessarily say it's going to be significant to anybody else, but what does it mean to you? And in my own life, I've often relied on Vedic astrology, actually, to help me understand why certain synchronicities happen, because that's based on the understanding that there's some kind of, of uh, predetermined potential, some kind of greater force governing what's going on in our lives. But we also have a free will to exercise how we respond to these triggers and these opportunities to learn and to transform. Um, and so the friend of mine, um, whose website is Eye of the Vedas, um, Covey, he, he helps me a lot with understanding this because sometimes I find it overwhelming trying to dissect what does a meaning of a particular occurrence or synchronicity mean. But ultimately, it's quite a lot more than what you would often attribute it to. And when it comes down to it, if I, if I don't have access to Covey, then I'll actually go and sit with out in nature in some way, whether it's with a tree or whether it's out in somebody's garden or going to the forest, which is my favorite thing. Uh, just being outside helps me gain clarity in understanding oh, yeah. what's me, going on. And me too. I mean, the, all the inputs of regular life fade away, and you can think more clearly when you get out there. Um, Absolutely. The, the, the meaning of meaning is a kind of a fun thing to be playing with, but we have about a minute and a half left. Um, could you, in, you're helping farmers uh, communicate with their plants, the way uh, the people at uh, Findhorn were communicating with their plants. I'm, is that what I understand correctly? I'm, I wouldn't claim that I'm helping farmers. I'm certainly trying to understand how some farmers are using communication with nature um, in their decision making. Ah. Um, I'd like to help other farmers if they're interested in finding out more. Um, but there's already in biodynamic farming, Rudolf Steiner wrote a lot about how to develop your imagination, your intuition, inspiration um, to become to interpret what's going on in your life and, and how to become 
more acquainted with the organism of the farm as a as a being in itself, a whole being, and um, and communicate with that. So he talks about it as Hineinversetzung, which is German for literally placing one's awareness as if through the eyes of another being. And when in doubt, if you're not sure how to communicate, I suppose that's the first starting point is um, put yourself in the shoes of the animal or the tree or the insect or the cloud or the mountain that you want to communicate with and actually ask yourself what would it be like to be this this being um yeah that's yeah. a good starting point that 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 is such a good starting point um with people is what do you think i think of you is trying to get into the mind of another person what you're adding what you're adding is do the same thing with nature try to see what that dog is thinking right now try to see what uh, exactly. what that farm is thinking and what those trees might be thinking put yourself and what do in they their need? shoes what, do what they, they need? need and we've come to the end of this wonderful show and so much appreciate your being with us Saskia thanks for inviting me Bernie I appreciate being here too it was you're fun it's good you're listening you're listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host Dr. Bernie Beitman MD on the Zone Broadcast Network <laughs> <laughs>